So 2 Peter, chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be, um, will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Good morning, everyone. We, hello. We, uh, we heard from... Uh, the first Peter, just a few minutes ago, was leading the service. Now we come to Second Peter, um, the Bible passage in front of us this morning. <laughs> let me uh, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the joy of being able to gather together as your people to hear your word. Please speak to us. We pray, uh, and and work in our hearts that we might live lives that truly honour and glorify you. In Jesus' name, Amen. So who of you know who Florence Chadwick was, or what she was famous for? Florence Chadwick was an American swimmer from the 1950s, and her specialty was long-distance open-water swimming. So she was the first woman to swim the English Channel, uh, not just in one direction, but back again. That's about 33 kilometers of open water each way. And she set the world record. Um, so she was quite famous for that. And having done that, she thought she would go on to set another record. She decided to swim the Catalina Strait, which is roughly the same distance as the English Channel. And, and so she got into the water. She started swimming. And she went along 15 hours later with 800 meters to go. She stopped. She got back into the boat, and she went home. And, and it's, it's agonizing. Like, she was so close. 15 hours, just probably just another half an hour to go, and she gave up. But why? Why did she give up when she had done so much, and there was just so little to left to go? The reason is because of the weather. See, that day happened to be a particularly foggy day, and she couldn't see where she was going. She couldn't see where the shore was. She couldn't see how close she was to the finish line. And so eventually, when she got so tired and, and so demotivated and so distracted by all the things around her, all the waves, 
and because she couldn't see very far at all, she gave up and she climbed in the boat and went home. You'll be happy to know, though, that two months later, she chose a perfect day for swimming and she broke the record. So she did get it in the end. But it is an interesting lesson, isn't it? Uh, that there's a big difference in knowing where you are going if you can see the finish line, especially when you are tired and when you are running out of energy, when there are things distracting you. If you don't know where the finish line is and if you can't see it, there's a great chance you may give up before you get there. Now that is something of what the, the, uh, Peter's second letter is all about. Uh, the kind of situation that Peter was writing into were Christians who were in danger of losing sight of the shoreline, of losing sight of the goal, who were beginning to flounder, who were beginning to become distracted by things all around them, who were losing their way. And what made it worse is that false teachers had crept in and they were beginning to distract them. And they were fogging up their vision. They, they weren't sure exactly which way was forward. And so Peter, the, the servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, as he calls himself in verse 1, wrote this letter to help these Christians to keep on keeping on, to, to clear the fog and to help them to see where they're going and to make sure that they get there. And that's really the goal of this letter. He wants them fixed on Christ. And, uh, and that's what we see in this chapter, particularly because uh, Peter himself knows he's not going to be with these Christians for much longer. Uh, verse 14 of chapter 1 indicates that Peter knows his time is short. Uh, he's possibly in Rome at this time uh, under the rule of Nero, who, who was uh, notorious for persecuting and killing Christians. And uh, tradition has it that Nero was the one who had Peter crucified upside down. And so Peter knows his time is short. He knows these Christians won't be able to rely on him, the great apostle. They can't just call him up, well, or send a letter and wait a few months for the letter to come back. They can't just find out from the apostle what's going to happen next, what should we do. They need help for when this great apostle is gone and can no longer talk to them face to face. And so he writes this letter to encourage them. And he writes this letter to encourage us. Here is a letter about growing spiritually in a world of spiritual instability. Here is a letter that, that helps us, especially in the kind of world we live in, where we are so easily distracted, uh, where we live in this always online culture, where, uh, where everything's about the here and the now. Everything is about focusing in on what's happening now, what I can get my hands on now, what I can buy off Amazon now and get it delivered as soon as possible. That's the world we're living in. And there's an abundance of the here and now stuff, especially in a rich country like this. And we can easily become distracted. Our vision can be fogged up. And we're just concentrating on all the things that are around us without seeing where everything is going. So what is it that really matters that we should be concentrating on so that we aren't distracted by the things around us? Well, according to Peter, what really matters for each and every one of us is knowledge. One of these, these are, this is a little uh, trick that you may have discovered uh, in a lot of the letters in the New Testament. If you read the first couple of verses 
and uh, the, the introduction, and you read the last couple of verses of that letter uh, at the end, the conclusion, often the same themes come up, and it gives you an idea of why the letter was written. And so that's exactly what happens here in 2 Peter. Uh, in chapter 1, verse 2, Peter says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And then right at the end of the book, in chapter 3, verse 18, if you, if you got it there, you can see uh, as Peter signs off on this letter, he says uh, that we are to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, the interesting thing about that word knowledge in the original language that it was written in, that, that Peter had this written in, in Greek, that word knowledge doesn't mean intellectual knowledge, you know, kind of filling up your mind with, with facts. It's more about a relational knowledge, about knowing someone and knowing about them. Uh, and, and that's the kind of knowledge that Peter wants us to grow in, a relational knowledge in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. He says that is what's going to clear the fog and keep you focused on the finish line as you get to know and grow in your relational knowledge of Jesus. So it's vital for us then to, to know how to do this. How are we going to grow in the knowledge of Christ? How are we going to, to know him so that we won't just kind of start off really well in the Christian life and then peter out, but that we'll keep on going to the very end? And that's what I want to unpack just briefly in the time that we have in these first 11 verses. I want us to see this knowledge that starts us off in the Christian life, a knowledge that saves us. I want you to see this knowledge that keeps us going along the way in the Christian life. And of course, uh, as you see where this is going, I also want you to see this knowledge that will land us uh, at the end on the shore where we're headed to. So three things then, firstly, a knowledge that saves us. And I just want to focus in on those first two verses to show that to you. Uh, verse 1 and 2, um, like many of the letters in the New Testament, is the, the formal greeting part of the letter. But it's, it's got lots of great things in there. We, we often skip over the greeting. It's a little bit like, you know, when you see your email, you kind of see who's it from, you know, Pete at Rome.com, and then you, you see who's to. Uh, sometimes it's just one person like me, but then sometimes you're part of a group, you know, like... Uh, at Christians and BCC, all the names of all the Christians who are there. Um, and, and then you have normally a subject line, you know, this is what it's going to be about before you get into the main meat of it. Well, that's exactly how New Testament letters work. They, they, they were like, they were way ahead of their time. They were set for emails long before emails were invented. And so what Peter does is he introduces himself, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Christ, Jesus, uh, sorry, Jesus Christ. Then he says, this is who it's to, all you guys who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. That's a great little thing to, to note, that, that the Apostle Peter doesn't see himself as the super kind of Christian above all other Christians. No, no, no. The, the faith that he has in Christ is the same faith that just the ordinary bog-standard Christian uh, has as well. You, you don't need to kind of achieve a certain level in the Christian life before you you, you're on the same level as an apostle. No, um, there is just that same faith, simple faith, relational knowledge, a trust in Jesus 
is what brings us all together, no matter who we are or where we're from or how much we know about the Christian life. It's a wonderful thing to know that. Um, and so Peter says uh, that, that's who he's writing to, those who have an equal standing. And, and look at the faith that he describes, this faith that he shares with them. It's the, a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Just a, another little quick note there. Do you see how he describes Jesus? He says, Jesus, our God and Savior. It's one of the clearest descriptions in the New Testament that Jesus is God. That he's not just like God or, or related in some way, like a, a creature that, that God created that was especially amazing. No, no, Jesus is God. He is our God and Savior. He is the second person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I'm sure if, if that confuses you, we, we could chat more about it and, and, uh, and try to explain some of the confusion. But, but there's mystery in that, and it's incredible. But here he is, our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and, and that faith rests on who Jesus is, that he is God, and what he has done, that he has saved us. He is our Savior, and he has brought us righteousness. What does that all mean? Well, notice firstly what the gospel is, and then we can unpack it from there. We can sum it up in that greeting where he says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. To know Jesus relationally, to be in a relationship with him, to have faith in him, is to have grace and peace multiplied to you. See, the gospel, the, 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 the good news about Jesus is that he brings us grace and peace. Grace, that undeserved gift. We don't deserve to be saved. We don't deserve God's righteousness to be poured out on us. But that's what he gives us freely. No, no payment required. The gospel is a gospel of grace, but it's also a gospel of peace. That is peace with God, which overflows into, into a, a peaceful relationships with one another. And that peace is only possible at the cross of Christ. We're going to be sharing the Lord's Supper in a moment. We'll talk more about that. But, but in effect, all of us have ignored God in our natural state. When we, before we came to know him, we tried to live apart from him. We tried to, to find life apart from the life giver. We, we've tried to to live for ourselves or for other people around us, but not for God. And you'll know that that kind of living makes a mess. It's probably made a mess of your own life. It makes a mess of the lives of those around us. It makes a mess of this whole world. The Bible calls it sin. And it's, it's really rebellion. It's, it's us in a state of war against God. Now, not all of us might be shaking our fist in God's face, some of us might be saying, well, I don't even think God exists, so, I mean, I don't think anything about him. But whether you're on the front line of the war, or whether you're in the, in the kitchen back at the camp peeling potatoes, you're still on the enemy's side. And we need peace. And we can't get that peace apart from God coming and, and helping us. The only way we can find peace is in the God who graciously provides that peace through 
the death of Jesus on the cross for our sins, absorbing the punishment for our sin that we deserve and opening up a way for us to be reconciled to God, to be at peace with him, and then through that with one another forever. That's the, that's the great gospel message. That's what Jesus has done. He has multiplied grace and peace. And that comes from a knowledge, a, a relational knowledge of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So that means, really, you need to ask yourself the question, not just, do I understand these facts? Do I know what Jesus came to do? Do I know who he is? Do I know that he is the second person of the Trinity? Uh, those are important, but they are not vital to your salvation. You do need to know true facts. But do you know Jesus not just as the Lord? Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? As Peter says, um, at the end of verse 2, in the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. There's a, there's, that's possession there. He, he, he belongs to Jesus. Uh, Jesus is the Lord of all who follow him. And so that's the question we have to ask. Is Jesus truly my Lord? Because you can't start the Christian life without that knowledge, that relational knowledge. A knowledge that saves us. But secondly, it's also not just a knowledge that saves us, but a knowledge that grows us in the Christian life. And we see that from verse 3 to 9. And we're going to go a little bit quicker through these verses. Um, but I'm sure you can dig down deep into them as well. There's a lot that we can unpack. Where it begins is in verse 3 with his divine power. When we come into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, the incredible thing is he doesn't just say, well, off you go, then see you on the other side. I'll be waiting, you know, in heaven. And gee, I really hope you'll get there. No, no, no. He, he provides us with power, his divine power, in order to live the Christian life. And that's really important to get straight up front, especially as we dive into a list of all the things you need to do there's a danger in which we can think, if I don't kind of keep these balls juggling up in the air and I keep on kind of building on these things, then, then I'm going to fall away. Now, we, we need to remember that God, by his divine power, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He is the one who will sustain us, who will give us the life we need. And we need to walk in that. We need to have confidence that, yes, God's got my back. He's not just, you know, sent me off into the wild and hoping I'll kind of manage to get my way back. No, he's with us every step of the way. Just as Peter uh, used um, Psalm 24 earlier on to to open up the service. Uh, it's a wonderful psalm where we have this great God with us every step of the way from the beginning to the end. And, and so he will, he will provide us with his div divine power that we need. Notice again, through the knowledge of him who calls us to his own glory and excellence. Uh, to know Jesus, in other words, is to become more like Jesus. That's what Peter means, really, in that kind of confusing little uh, section of, in verse 4, where he says um, that he has granted us to, his, uh, to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. That sounds very new age. It sounds like, are we, do we become God then? 
But that's not what he's saying. He's saying rather that, uh, not that, it, that in knowing Jesus we become God, but in knowing Jesus we become godly. We begin to reflect his nature. We begin to become more like Christ. And the reason is because we have the Holy Spirit in our hearts, the third person of the Trinity. He is the one who has taken residence in us, as it were. And that's an incredible, also mysterious, mind-blowing thing that, that we have the third person of the Trinity at work in our hearts. We are partakers of the divine nature. And that he is enabling us to live according to God's uh, will. That's why he is the Holy Spirit. We should see holy lives as a result. And, and what Peter is saying is that if that is true, if, if God's divine power is at work in you, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, if you are partaking of the divine nature, well, then you must grow. There's no two ways about it. It's not like, well, some Christians will kind of, you know, Peter along and other Christians will like soar. We all grow at different levels and at different times and at different speeds. But if you're not growing, you need to ask yourself the question, well, do I know Jesus? And go back to the first question. That's the force of these verses here, is that, that we must make every effort to add all these characteristics of the divine nature. And remember, we do it not in our own strength, but in the strength that God provides. And so Peter says in verse 5, not only that we must make every effort to, to add these things in, which we're going to look at in a moment, but in verse 8, as he completes that list, he says these qualities need to be yours and increasing. So we need to see not just fruit, but growing fruit. That shows the health of the Christian. That shows whether we really know who Christ is in that relational sense. And so he starts in verse 5 with faith. He says that we must add to our faith. He's not saying that, well, your faith was kind of deficient and now you need to kind of upgrade it to a better quality faith. But rather he's saying you need to grow in your faith. You need to keep trusting in Jesus and learning to trust him more. And then he says you add to that faith virtue and with virtue, knowledge. And the interesting thing about this knowledge here is that it's different to the other times that Peter uses the word knowledge. It's a pity in, in English we can't kind of separate the difference, but, but when he uses the word here, it's a different Greek word. And this word particularly is referring to intellectual knowledge. So here, as opposed to verse 2 and verse 3 and verse 8, He's talking about head knowledge. That is a knowledge of who God is, knowing more about Christ as he's revealed in the scriptures. That's why we open God's word whenever we meet, because we want to know more about him so that we might grow in our relational knowledge of him. And when we do that, then that will add to that uh, knowledge, self-control and steadfastness and godliness and brotherly affection. And at the end, to cap it all, you see at the end of verse uh, uh, 5, uh, sorry, verse 7, uh, with love. Love is perhaps last on the list because it's the glue that holds all the other ones together. It is what the Apostle Paul would say in Colossians 3, what binds these qualities together in perfect unity. And so, as I said earlier, we need to grow in these things. 
And as you look through that list, you might say, well, yeah, yeah I, I guess I've got some of those things. Some of those are, I'm, I'm better at than others. Some of these I really need to work at. But what you need to see is that the Christian life is not just one of coasting along, sort of, you know, set the autopilot, and then we, we head off and do whatever else, and the ship will just get us there. Now, we need to be working at growing. The, the Christian life is one of constant change and transformation, and that's hard. A lot of the time, we don't want to do that. And we'd much rather remain like babies. You know, the great thing about being a baby is that you get fed all the time by other people. They're just spoon-feeding you. Uh, you get carried around. You don't have to walk anywhere. They just take you to where they, they want you to be. Uh, and and if, if anything is ever an issue, you just make a big noise. And then people will come over and they'll attend to you and they'll care about you. Uh, that's what uh, life with little kids is like. But as parents, we know we don't want our children to remain babies. They need to grow up. If they don't grow up, there's something wrong with them. We want them to mature. And like every good parent, God, our Father, wants us to mature and grow. And he's given us all the resources we need in order to do that. He gives us his divine power so that in verse 8 we will not be ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, so here's the second kind of challenge here. Are you, are you growing? Can you see a change? In the past year, uh, as you've, if you've been a Christian for that time, have you seen a difference in your life? Or is it just kind of bumping along and, and you're not really even sure what direction it's going in? To know God is to grow in him. And actually, as we gather together like this, we help each other to grow. That's why God has brought us together as his people. Because in being involved with one another's lives, encouraging one another on, uh, meeting together in Bible study, we will be growing in all these things. And so do not give up the fellowship of, of the, the church. That we can't do it by ourselves. We need one another uh, as we encourage one another on. But if you will not grow, well, Peter says in verse 9, we'll end up nearsighted and blind and forgetful. I know all about nearsightedness. Um, I can see probably about that far without my glasses on. And everything else is a blur. So, so it, sometimes that can be helpful if you don't want to see what's in front of you. But, but a lot of the time, it's really important if you want to see where you're going, that you can see in focus. And so here he uses this image that you, you, you're kind of blinded uh, of what is coming ahead, of future glory. Because you're just focusing in on what's right there in front of you that your, your, your attention is on. And, and we have to be careful of that, as I said earlier, in the kind of culture we live in. That it, it just puts all these things in front of us so that we become nearsighted. Our eyes can't adjust to the distance anymore. And so, remember Christ. Grow in him and your sight will increase. Your distance will increase. Um, and, uh, and rather than just seeing what is your immediate needs... You will see where you're going. There's no standing still in the Christian life. You're either going forwards or you're going backwards. But the question is, where are you going forwards to? And that's our last little section we're going to look at in verse 10 and 11. 
the, the, the future hope, the knowledge that keeps us to the end. And, uh, and so what Peter says in verse 10 is, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. Make every effort to provide evidence that God truly has saved you, is essentially what he's saying, um, to, to show that God is at work in you. Well, walk in those ways. And go in the direction that God has set before you. Don't, uh, don't be someone who's, who's kind of always trying to get off the path, but rather be someone who's, who's heading in the right direction, who's always recalibrating to be in the right direction. Uh, and that we do, as we say, through all the things that, that Peter speaks about in these earlier verses. Now, that doesn't mean that, that you and I are saved because we have changed lives. But a changed life does show that there is something going on inside you, that you will, do, you will live a godly life and in increasing measure. And if you do so, Peter says at the end of verse 10, that you will never fail. Not that you'll never sin or that you'll never fail at being a Christian, but rather that you will never fail in the sense that you will make it to the end. It's a, it's a great encouragement to know. Often we can, we can kind of get a bit caught up within ourselves thinking, I, I've just got to keep these balls in the air. If I don't keep these balls in the air, it's all up to me. If I drop a ball, then, then when I get to the, the, the pearly gates one day, God will say, oh, man, you were so close. I'm sorry. Uh, pull the lever and there you go. <laughs> Uh, down the slide. Um, but, but the incredible encouragement of the scriptures is not that, you know, you better keep on going, otherwise it's, it's the, the flames for you. It's rather God is with you. God is helping you. He, he is the one who called you. He elected you. And so with that confidence, walk in his ways. He will get you through. The false teachers will come. What will happen when the false teachers come? God will get me through. I won't give up because I know he won't let me give up. Now we can, we can ramble around in the Christian life, but we need to take courage and, and be encouraged by these verses that you will never fail if God is with you. And then what do we have to look forward to? Well, he says in verse 11, in this way, there will be uh, richly provided for you an inheritance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, it always returns to that, that picture of the, of the marathon swimmer uh, seeing the shoreline, seeing everybody there. They're all encouraging, come on, come on, last few meters and getting in. And being and, and kind of, I don't know what they do, run over the finish tape or swim over the finish tape. I don't know what, what they do in these things. But, but however they measure that you've finished the race, there's great joy and people gathering around. And, and that's what we have to look forward to, that of this kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, an eternal kingdom that will never pass away. That is what's set before us. Why don't we keep on going in that direction? So that's the knowledge that saves us, a knowledge that grows us, a knowledge that keeps us to the end. But I think, as I've said before, too often as Christians, we, we become content 
to settle for second best. We, we develop a kind of casual, flippant relationship with the Lord. We, we, we have this casual relationship with Christian ministry, with, with other Christian people, with the church, with, with just being involved in one another's lives. And we, we're kind of like, well, you know, this, living a holy life, that's pretty tough. I, I can put that on hold for a couple of years until I'm you know, a little bit older, a little bit more mature. Then, then I'll really get into it. And, you know, Bible reading and prayer, gee, it's really an effort. But if we're not making the effort, if we won't commit to anything, if we just think we can play it loose and fast with the Lord, then we are in great danger and we need to hear the warnings. We need to hear the warnings of the scriptures that, that you can't just live as you please. If God's divine power is at work in you, then you will be changing. And you need to, maybe this morning, for some of us, we need to restructure some of the things that are big priorities in our lives that are really just nearsighted things. And we need to structure our priorities that we can see further to the finish line. As Peter says, there is nothing more important in our lives than knowing Christ and than relationally knowing him, learning more of him, learning to be more like him and, and, and growing in that relationship. That is the number one priority for every Christian and everything else we should build around that. So do you have a knowledge of the Lord, uh, of our God and, and Savior, Jesus Christ? Do you know him as your Lord and not just a Lord? Are you growing in that knowledge of him? Do you know the goal he's called you to? As he says in these last few verses, um, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an inheritance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's keep on keeping on. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have provided everything necessary for us to not only be saved, but to remain saved and continue on till the very end. We thank you that you are committed to our full salvation from getting us from when we, we did not know who you were, when we were living in ignorance or rebellion, and yet revealing to us the Lord Jesus Christ who gave us grace and peace. We thank you for him. We thank you for his death on the cross for our sins. And we pray, Lord, that we may continue to live in that knowledge, growing relationally in our relationship with the Lord, that we may seek to live upright and godly lives for your glory's sake as we strive towards that that final destination you have waiting for all of us who follow you may we lord never give up and help one another to keep on keeping on as we and we pray these things in jesus name amen <laughs>